Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Thanks to everyone who supports independent tech news directly. If you're not already a member, become one at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, December 6th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And uh, from a very wet L.A. County area, I am the producer, Roger Shank. Sarah Lane has the day off. She will be missed, uh, but we will look forward to her returning tomorrow. We are definitely going to talk, probably at at a little longer uh, amount, about the arrest of the chief financial officer of Huawei in Vancouver by Canadian officers, uh, supposedly in order to extradite her to the United States. That's going to come. There's a lot to parse on that story, so that's going to come a little later. But let's start with a few other tech things you should know. It's official. We talked about it before as a possibility. Now it's a reality. Microsoft will rebuild the Edge browser to run on Chromium using the Blink and V8 JavaScript engines. Microsoft Vice President for Windows Joel Belfiore cited compatibility cross-compatibility, as well as battery life is two of the reasons they're doing this. Current Windows 10 Edge installations will just get the new platform automatically when it's ready. Uh, But Edge will also become available after they do this for Windows 7, Windows 8, and Mac OS. Beta builds will begin early next year. Also, Microsoft's working with Google to bring a native ARM64 version of Chrome to Windows 10 on ARM. And Mozilla's working on bringing a native version of Firefox to Windows 10 on ARM. It's it's browser b- brotherly love going on <laughs> on Windows. The browser of browserly love. <laughs> uh, Apple Watch Series 4 can now read uh, your heart's electrical signal by the user holding a finger on the crown of the device. This can identify atri- atrial fibrillation, a type of irregular heart rhythm. Anyone over the age of 22 can use these new heart health features. Apple received clearance from the electrocardiogram app from federal regulators back in September. And ride-hailing company Lyft filed for an IPO. The company was recently valued around $15 billion, but Lyft made its confidential filing with the SEC, so we don't know the number of shares it will sell or the price range. Sources tell Reuters that Lyft's IPO is slated probably in the first half of 2019. Uber also expected to IPO next year, so we'll have to hail some stocks from the ride-hailing teams in 2019. Yeah, as far as... uh... As far as that, that that goes, it is happening when it comes to ride-hailing software. Let's talk a little bit more about messaging, and I mean Google messaging. It got simpler, but I wouldn't call it simple, jury. <laughs> 
No, no, no. Google announced Allo will stop work. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide, from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. In March, and users have until then to explore their conversation history. Google will support five messaging apps, Messages, which supports RCS, Hangouts Chat, which is different from the Hangouts app that is being shut down, Hangouts Meet, a video conferencing app, Duo, Google's voice calling app, and Google Voice, which is just audio calling. Duo is Google's video calling app. Uh, yes, no, no. Duo is Google's video calling app and Google voice is audio calling. Yeah. So it's that simple, folks. You'll have messages for text messaging, uh, and that will actually be the focus on Android. Then you'll have Hangouts chat, uh, which everybody's wringing their hands over the fact that Hangouts is going away. The Hangouts app is going away and will be replaced by Hangouts chat and Hangouts meet. And Google promises they will make that transition smooth. Everybody got all riled up because they heard a rumor about Hangouts going away. And Google names everything Hangouts. They have like 15 products named Hangouts. So everybody freaked out thinking theirs was going away. And the fact of the matter is one thing is going away, Hangouts chat, and it will be replaced by Hangouts. uh, I'm sorry, one thing is going away. See, I'm even getting confused. One thing is going away, Hangouts the app, which will be replaced by the enterprise apps Hangouts chat and Hangouts meet, which will no longer be enterprise it shows how complicated this ecosystem was to begin with. So bringing it down to five is somewhat of a simplification. But there's still Google Voice out there. They're going to keep Duo around because I guess enough people are using that. When it feels like maybe they should just collapse all this stuff into one app. Well, I think that they want to have one that people seem to like. And 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 that's the, 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 the problem is that they launch these apps and they either get traction or they don't sometimes when they get traction they keep them going and sometimes i think the reason why that hangout story got out of control is because there are many people for whom still mourn the death of google reader and, and yes and other uh products that they put out inbox is something that i very much enjoyed and now is sunsetting and becoming part of gmail so uh, i think that there's they, they they have 
uh, a well-earned reputation of being a remorseless killer of their own <laughs> products, uh, even if they are fan favorites. And if you're the kind of person who gets mad at your dad still for that time 10 years ago when he wouldn't let you go to the concert, then you probably got mad at Google over the Hangouts thing. Yes. It's the same kind of principle. Like, you're not really mad about the thing. You're mad about previous stuff, but it's just that baggage. Uh, John Brodkin at Ars Technica does the Lord's work covering the telecom sector. Uh, He is fantastic at it. He notes in his article today that lobby group for U.S. carriers, U.S. Telecom, released an analysis last week that says the following. From the end of 2015, pay attention to these dates, from the end of 2015, to mid-2017, so around June 2017, U.S. fiber deployment grew from 21% to 29% of homes, and competitive availability of wired broadband at 25 megabits per second down and three up increased from 31% to 55%. Also, by mid-2017, by June 2017, broadband at 100 megabits per second download was available to 89% of Americans, compared to 10% back in 2010. U.S. Telecom also recently released new spending data showing broadband providers increased their capital investment in 2017 after a two-year decline. And FCC Chairman Ajit Pai touted the results, saying that the new data confirms that the FCC's policies to promote broadband deployment are working. Here's the thing that Brodkin also notes. The U.S. Telecom analysis goes from the end of 2015 to June 2017. Keep that in mind. Nothing Later than June 2017, the repeal of the Open Internet Guidelines, or or as many people call it, the repeal of net neutrality, was approved December, approved December 2017, and didn't go into effect until the next June 2018, just this year. Also, Charter and Verizon both said this year that they're reducing capital expenditures, And U.S. Telecom is repeating its argument that the government should increase its subsidies to ISPs uh, to help roll out broadband in areas where it is lacking. So just the facts, the increase in coverage and investment happened before the repeal of net neutrality was approved, much less before it went into action. And the telecoms are now asking for more government money. Yeah, uh, that's what they do. You know, (laughs) that is that is their move. They they want to be required to do less and they would prefer a bag of free money to 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 do it. Look, I I was one of those that uh, uh, was not too upset about the repeal of the open Internet guidelines. However, I do believe that if the idea here is to spur investment and innovation, then it is up to us to hold these companies accountable to do so. And either you are, or you aren't. And and I think that this is something that Ajit Pai is derelict in his in his duties of. You know, you can't just look at this press release and say, "Hey, look, it's working." When very obviously that's not what it says. I, I think that's what bothers me. It's not so much. I, I've made my my view clear that I think new legislation. I really is the wish. Only- yeah, I really wish that we would uh, have a conversation yeah. about it at some point on the show the new legislation is what i think fixes a lot of these problems and we've got yeah. we've gone over that ground a lot it just irks me that they're like hey check out these great numbers that apply to not our argument uh it's like don't hold up two and two and try to convince me it's five you're not magicians the australian parliament passed a bill thursday to allow security agencies to issue technical notices requiring companies to help the government hack uh, and implant malware, undermine encryption, or insert backdoors. 
The bill includes uh, fines of up to uh, an Australian $10 million, that is $7.3 million here in the U.S., for institutions and prison uh, terms for individuals for failing to hand over data linked to suspended illegal or su- suspected illegal activities. The law will require security agencies to seek warrants in order to obtain the data, and the legislation will be subject to a review by a parliamentary committee for 12 months. They did put some amendments on this. They did water it down a little bit from what it had been. But the law in Australia now will be that with a warrant, the police can come to a company and say, you have to give us this data. We don't care if it's end-to-end encrypted and you don't have the key. You've got to figure it out. So whether that means you hack into your own system or... If you have already put a system in place to be able to accommodate our request, that's up to you, is the way this seems to be working. And of course, the upshot is that a lot of companies are going to put back doors in because that's the most, that's the easiest way to comply with any of these requests that might come down the pike. And then we get back into the argument of, well, if you've weakened encryption for one possible reason, you are like more likely to have a breach. And, and I don't have these numbers, but I'm curious how many people in Australia have actually been negatively affected by an actual data breach versus how many have been affected by actual terrorism. And there are people who have been affected on both sides. One can be more devastating than the other, right? You can lose your life from terrorism. You're probably not losing your life from a data breach, but I'd like to have those numbers because it is far more widespread on the data breach side. There's no doubt. I just don't know how much. Well, not to mention the fact that I think this might be looking at where the puck is versus where the puck is going. We, mm. we are in an increasingly digital world, and we've seen that there are consequences that voters care about more and more about things that you can triangulate and target based on data breaches. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's a great uh, uh, recommended podcast that I would like to uh, toss out, Darknet Diaries. They had a great episode recently about IRS hacking, right? And And just not only how easy it is for you to get uh, a, a tax return uh, spit back out to you with very easily available data and more so you'd have to wonder whether or not some of these like Experian hacks it's not just to flip the 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 social security numbers for quick for cash you can use these for other more devastating uh, matters so I think that this is a a, a bad idea uh, and and I, I would like to chide the Australian parliament is that the appropriate Australian move to chide? Let us know. Feedback. I, I, think, I think that there are other colorful language that also starts with that word that they would probably use. Chunder? I don't know. Sure. Uh, China says it intends to make the results of publicly funded research free to read immediately on publication. It's a big deal in the academic world. China's National Science Library, its National Science and Technology Library, and its Natural Science Foundation all pledge to support something called Plan S, an initiative launched in September by a group of European funders to ensure that by 2020, any scientist making papers makes them immediately open. If they're going to get money from the folks in Plan S, they're going to make them immediately open. And now three of China's biggest research funding operations are part of Plan S. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to implement it. There's still some questions there, but they're generally part of this. Plan S bars participating scientists from publishing their work behind a paywall after 2020. They say as soon as 2020 rolls around, when you publish with our funds, you have to make your research open. The only way you can publish your work in a journal that has a paywall is if you archive that manuscript immediately with an open publishing license. So Europe's on board. 
Several organizations in China are on board. In the United States, only the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is on board with Plan S. Yeah, you know, that this is an interesting movement. And uh, there, there's, uh, I think, a larger conversation that can be had in terms of the way that uh, uh, not only in the United States, but really worldwide, the partnership tacit though it might be between universities and journals uh, might not be serving us in in the best possible way in in, in an internet age uh, uh I, I think that there uh you know there was a a, a an, an idea put forth a couple of weeks ago uh, uh about the idea of having a journal that was literally just there for anonymous uh, uh, publications of of certain uh, you know so people wouldn't be putting their name on it, which is usually the opposite of the thing that you want to do if you're a researcher because you want to get all the credit for it. But these would be for ex- experiments and data sets that are mighty controversial that would mm. taint your career uh, if 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 you were to be uh, uh, put up to it. So I, I think there's a lot of ways that we can rethink this. This is a good idea, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a, it's a great idea, and it's awesome to see more organizations uh, getting on board with it. Amazon is opening a new program called Alexa Answers to invite users to help answer questions that might stump the assistant. Amazon has been running an internal beta of the program over the past month with employees adding more than 100,000 question responses to the system. Amazon will start sending out invitations to participants today, although the company didn't say how many. Users can add 300 character contributions to uh, the special answers website with questions that the assistant doesn't have the answers for. When uh, uh, when read, these answers will be prefaced with the phrase, an Amazon user says users will be able to vote answers up or down and too many downvotes will get the answer removed. The only thing that makes me at all not dread this is the fact that it's invite only. Uh, that's the only break on this being gamed <laughs> like crazy. I'm not. Sure, I believe that Amazon thinks it's a good idea to just let these things be published. They must have curation on one end to make sure that the silly answers you don't You would assume, You right? would assume in this day and age. Uh, so I, I'm going to assume that and the fact that you have to be invited in uh, means that not just anybody can log on and start you know, coming up with, with crazy answers to stuff. But even then, let's leave out the trolls. People don't always have the right answer, even though they think they do. And sure. people who have the right answer that or have the wrong answer, even though they think it's right, may find a large number of people agree with them and never get voted down. I don't know. This is the best way to do this. I'm curious as to why they didn't try to partner with somebody. This seems like an opportunity for Amazon to go to relevant experts on the issues that they are that they feel that they need beefed up on. And instead of saying Amazon users say whatever semi-trusted source says bleep, blop, bloop. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a great idea. Or at the very least say, we'll have a bunch of people answer these and then we'll curate the ones and by, you know, Oh, most frequently people say this. So that's probably right. Or at least we'll have some fact checkers or something. Cause yeah, I mean, this does have one of those like misty eyed uh, Internet optimism kind yeah. of feelings to it. Yeah, right. Really, like, really. like, ah, no, don't worry. We'll get it right. And it's 2009 like, on Buzz Out Loud. I'm super excited about this. Like how how smart of Amazon to use the wisdom of the crowds, says well, Tom Merritt. The problem is, is that at 
when it's on Wikipedia and somebody changes, uh, you know, uh, uh, Franklin Pierce's birthday to poop uh, uh, and takes a screen grab of it, it's like there for a second and then somebody flips Because they have a, a very well-worn system for that sort they of do. thing. They yeah. do. They uh, do. I think there's something visceral to your personal assistant telling you mm. that Franklin Pierce's president is indeed poop. Well, folks, uh, we believe that Franklin Pierce was one of the most underrated presidents of the United States. Uh, and in a tribute to him, we create a short version of the Daily Tech News Show every day. How does that relate to Franklin Pierce? Well, you obviously don't know enough about Franklin Pierce. But just subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines and get all of your tech news in about five minutes at DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right, let's get to the big story. Wednesday, Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou, who's also known as Sabrina, was arrested while transferring between flights in Vancouver. Uh, Meng is also one of four deputy chairs uh, and daughter of Huawei founder Ren Zhengfei. Now, this is a little bit hard to parse, I think, if you don't know a lot of things about the Huawei founding family. It's a family affair. Uh, she is the heir apparent. Even though she's one of four deputy chairs, there's a lot of corporate politics going on here. But Ren Zhengfei is a former PLA engineer. And that's the key thing to know. Because this person was once part of the army, he is not trusted by many other people outside of China. Now, we've had a lot of things going on with Huawei. Uh, New Zealand deciding not to use it in their infrastructure. We had the story about BT pulling it out of the core and saying, we just, we just pull, we pull it out of the core because we pulled it out of the core everywhere. It didn't have to do with Huawei being insecure. However, there is a campaign led by the United States uh, to oppose using Huawei's network secure network infrastructure because of security concerns. This isn't about the handsets. This is about their switches and routers and things like that. So what happened was the Canadian Justice Department uh, arrested her while she was transferring flights in Vancouver, said she has sought for extradition to the United States, set a bail hearing for Friday, and cited a publication ban preventing any other details from being released. They say that Meng herself doesn't want any of the details released, although China is complaining that they don't know why she was arrested. They don't have sufficient Knowledge on that. Source told the Globe and Mail the U.S. alleges that Meng tried to evade the embargo against Iran. That's what they pinned ZTE on. So it looks like they may be trying to do that to Huawei as well. The Wall Street Journal reported in April that the U.S. was investigating Huawei on those very grounds. So that would make sense. Huawei says it doesn't have any information on the charges, or very little anyway, and is unaware of any wrongdoing, as you might expect. Now, Here's another piece of information to know before we start talking about this. Reuters sources say that Huawei had a scheme to use the global banking system to evade U.S. sanctions against Iran. That that's what was being investigated. The U.S. has been investigating the company's use of HSBC holdings to make illegal transactions involving Iran. Back in 2012, HSBC did pay... $1.92 billion and enter into a deferred prosecution agreement with the U.S. attorney in Brooklyn for violating U.S. sanctions and money laundering laws. And it's that U.S. attorney in Brooklyn who is conducting the investigation of Huawei. So you start to connect the dots here. It does look like that's what's going on. However, Justin, as host of Politics, 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 you well know there's a lot of other stuff going on between China and the U.S. as well. 
Oh boy, is there. Uh, not only are we currently in the middle of a, well, more the beginning of a 90 day ceasefire uh, that was negotiated between uh, President Donald Trump uh, and President Xi of China at the G20 summit in Argentina last week. But uh, we are also in a, a big moment of the Trump White House. I mean, look, from a broader, uh, a broader level, Donald Trump was elected and ran in part with the idea being that China is the largest potential uh, uh, force that the U.S. needs to contend with. That basically being tough on China now would uh, head off the the possibility of, uh, you know, global dominance by China in the next hundred years. Right. Or uh, global another Cold War level kind of conflict with with the United States. And so part of that, part of what seeps through into that are things that we heard earlier this year, a memo surfacing that the Trump White House was floating the idea of possibly nationalizing the 5G rollout, which is complicated uh, and unlikely to happen. But that's how concerned they were with ZTE and Huawei becoming players, more uh, players in that game because they will be able to price their components at a level that telecoms would not be able to resist. This is, in my opinion, the United States trying to poison the well further with Huawei. And as we've seen, Huawei is saying, well, look, sure. Uh, you know, even uh, 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 Sabrina, as, as I'm going to call her, because so I, so I don't butcher her name, uh, has said, hey, look, yeah, we're going to avoid we're, we're going to evade the bans. We're not going to listen to the rules they set up because the rules that they've set up for us basically kill the company or at least kill international expansion. So we have one of two choices. Either we try to go around them or we slowly wither and die. What do you think we're going to choose? Yeah, and I I think Huawei is not ZTE. Huawei is the second largest phone manufacturer in the world, second to Samsung. Uh they operate mostly and entirely outside of the United States market. Uh, so it's quite possible with their Kirin processors and their own supply chains that they could weather a storm much better than ZTE could. This isn't about shutting down Huawei. Uh, no. South China Morning Post has lots of has a transcript with lots of quotes of Meng and Ren, uh, the, the, the founder and CEO, talking about when it's okay to to just go around the rules. In fact, Ren is quoted as saying, we must not bind ourselves up just because the U.S. is attacking us. So they don't consider U.S. regulations to be a fatal threat to the company. On the other hand, I not actually not on the other hand, also interesting is that this might have less to do with the trade war than we think. It might not even have as much to do with the Huawei suppression attempt by the United States as we think. As TechCrunch pointed out, China is preventing the two American children of Lu Changming from leaving the country uh, until their father returns to the mainland to face a criminal justice charge of alleged bank fraud. This is a big deal in diplomatic circles. Uh, the U.S. has protested against it. Uh, they are letting the children get counsel from the U.S., but they're not letting them leave. It's it's called uh, pre- they're preventing their exit of the country because even though they have U.S. passports, they're considered to be of, of Chinese origin, or at least the mother is, whereas the father was born in the U.S. 
He is not even going near China, so this is their way of trying to get him back. Maybe arresting the CFO of Huawei is a is a move to try to have a bargaining chip for these two things. The other thing that's crazy about this is that Canada stepped in and did this for the United States at a time when Canada seemed to be pivoting towards China and saying, hey, let's do a trade deal. Yes. So I am less inclined to believe that these are necessarily related, although we certainly are dealing with an administration that, uh, you know, uh, prides themselves on the leverage they can create uh, uh, you know, before a deal and all leverage is leverage, but th- th- there's a very careful dance that's being, that, that that's going on now. And, and it's uh, right now you have uh national uh, security aide, John Bolton telling NPR that he was aware that uh, Sabrina was going to be arrested. Uh, again, this arrest happened the day of the G20 dinner between Trump and G that's where this ceasefire was officially kind of coronated. The White House is saying that Trump did not know about this before the dinner. So I will believe that something that it it is a diplomatic play when we start seeing it on the Twitter feed, because in in general, specifically with people uh, and and hostages and stuff like that, our our president has not shied away from naming them and and, uh, saying that they need to uh, come home. So if if this is a leverage play there, I think we will see that played out more publicly than I think the more esoteric idea, which is where uh, what I think is more likely that the United States is very, very interested in damaging Huawei's reputation here and abroad. Uh, uh, and, and I think that 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 is what this has more to do with than uh, than anything else. Again, you said that they are the second biggest uh, handset manufacturer in the world, right? Yeah. If they were allowed to produce in America, they might be number one. Yeah. I mean, like we are, we are we are talking about that level of success. And if you believe that they are literally a backdoor for the People's Liberation Army, then that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and, th- and there's less concern about the handsets than there is about the, the network. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. The the the, the networks are, is 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 the bigger the, the bigger element here. But if you're wondering how does this affect me, well, if you're in the U.S., not much. Although if you had your eye on a Huawei phone, uh, it becomes harder <laughs> to to think that you're going to be able to to have that come easy. Although you still probably be able to buy one uh, and have it imported. There's no import ban yet. We'll see. Uh, also, it does uh impact uh the potential futures of other manufacturers if you're a OnePlus fan you might start to get a little more nervous uh there's no reason to think that OnePlus would be affected but you know they came for ZTE now they've come for Huawei uh who might be next is Lenovo on the docket uh you know it's are, are they playing by the rules these are multinational companies but they've got huge presences within China. So as you get a little closer and closer to them and you start to worry a little more and more about them. And if you're in Europe and you're a big fan of the mate phone or, or the honor phones, uh, this, this could impact you because if, if this does materially impact Huawei's ability to manufacture and it, it does hurt their business again, I don't think it's going to take them down like ZTE where they have to pause operations, but it might reduce things. It might reduce manufacturing. The U S could make it hard on Huawei to do their business. Uh, then that could impact you, in the European market as well. 
Well, thanks to all of you who participate in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. This was definitely top of the subreddit today. Uh, and also get in there and chat with other folks if you're a Facebook user. There's lots of Facebook uh, DTNS fans. You can find them at facebook.com slash groups slash daily tech news show. Justin, Robert Young, thank you for bringing your uh, insight to this because uh, I know you're you're sort of covering this from the other side as well. Uh, tell folks about what else you've got going on. Well, uh, of course, if you, if you like my uh, uh, political ramblings, then you can sign up for my free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Five days a week, five stories a day, usually gifts, mostly hot takes sometimes. It's uh, been, been a, a wild one uh, over the last few weeks. And, of course, uh, you can uh, listen to my politics podcast, Politics, 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 on all of your podcasting apps. Uh, folks, if you're not a subscriber to the Patreon at the associate producer level, that's $5 a month. That's 25 cents a show. You are missing out. Uh, I put an editor's desk audio column out today that describes how I use Feedly to make the show for those of you interested. But the big attraction is Roger Chang's column today uh, is about his Black Friday experience and includes the super secret Roger Chang algorithm for how to decide if a deal is really worth the money. You, it's really good. You've got to check this out. It involves snacks. You got to you got to go become a member at patreon.com slash DTNS. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. And join us tomorrow when Shannon Morse is back on the show and Len Peralta is back as well. Talk to you then. show is part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program <laughs> hi i'm dory shafrier and i'm kate spencer and we are the hosts of forever 35 and today we're talking about club med the best all-inclusive getaway for families Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.